Since the Sandbox fans, we are back with the schedule predictions, and we're finally getting to the West. We are going to bring you the AFC West, followed by the NFC West to wrap up the schedule predictions. We're going to hop right in. First team I'm going to give you guys is the LA Chargers. Now, this is a team that I do feel like can continue to take strides going to push towards that championship pedigree. But at the same time, I do think we see a lot of consistent behaviors from the Chargers that are really hampering that team to continue to take that next level. There's a lot of questions about Brandon Staley and the coaching, some of the schemes on the offense and defensive side. Also, a lot of questions with some of the big-name players staying healthy and keeping those guys on the field. I have the Chargers starting the season 2-2, two and two, getting a loss Week 1 versus the Dolphins, followed by two wins in a row, a win at the Titans and a win at the Vikings, and then a loss Week 4 in a division game versus the Raiders. This has the Chargers being 500 going into the bye week at week 5. And after the bye week, week 6, they have a tough Monday night football game versus the Cowboys. I do think Dallas gets the best of them there. And then week 7 is another tough matchup going against the Chiefs. This is a division game. I do feel like this can be a little bit closer than what people would give the Chargers credit for. And we don't know what Chiefs team we are going to get this year, but I'm predicting the best record in the NFL once again for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. After dropping those two games, the Chargers sit at 2-4 and four after Week 7. Week 8 comes around, they get right in a Sunday night football matchup versus the Chicago Bears. I do think this could be a tough game versus Chicago. Justin Fields could have that offense clicking at this point in time in the season, and this will be a big game for both of those teams. Followed by that Sunday night win, I have them losing Week 9 at the Jets. This is a tough game, Monday night football, primetime back-to-back weeks, and three out of the past four weeks. So I feel like that that's a really tough stretch for the LA Chargers. After the loss to the Jets, I have them getting two wins in a row, a win versus a good Lions team at home, and going on the road to Green Bay in Week 11 and getting a W. I do think Jordan Love and the Packers could be a competitive team at this point, depending on how they really are throughout the first couple weeks of the season. But going into Green Bay, Week 11 is always a tough game to play, especially for a warm-weather team like the Chargers. After the win in Green Bay, I have them getting a loss on Sunday Night Football versus the Ravens. I feel like this is a really important AFC game when it comes to playoff standing and just really seeing who's going to get in with some of the wildcard spots or even on top of the division. After the loss to the Ravens, I have the Chargers getting a win at the Patriots, followed by a loss to the Broncos. And then four wins the rest of the season. A win Thursday night football at the Raiders. A win Saturday night football versus the Bills. That's a big game. Really trying to see if the Chargers can take that jump to be one of those superior teams. I do think the Bills will skid a little bit this year as well. And then the last two games in the season, two big division games at the Broncos and versus the Chiefs. And this has the Chargers finishing with a 10-7 record right around that playoff cusp, but still behind a couple of teams inside that AFC West. Now we got a couple questions for the Chargers. This year, is Austin Eckwer going to continue his consistent production at the running back position? Last year, Austin Eckler had a superb year, having 17 touchdowns, the most in the entire NFL. I do think that the Chargers offense is going to start to change a little bit and we're going to start to see some of those receptions get spread out amongst the wide receivers. You got Keenan Allen there. You got Mike Williams. You drafted Quinton Johnson. I do think Austin Eckler is going to take a step back this year. I'm not saying that Austin Eckler is going to be a bad fantasy pick by any means. 
But repeating that production is so hard, especially for such an injury-riddled player like Austin Eckler was the past couple years. Yes, his production has been consistent as far as far as receptions out of the backfield, but I do think that when you look at the rushing production from what you've really seen from Austin Eckler, it's hard to have those expectations of 17 touchdowns and over 1,400 scrimmage yards. I do think he'll still be around 1,100 scrimmage yards. We'll still see a lot of touchdowns, but I'm looking for the Chargers to score in different ways this year. Who was going to be the wide receiver to have for the LA Chargers this year? I think the wide receiver position is going to be so crucial for the Chargers. For the past couple of years, we've seen Keenan Allen, you know, really have that top-tier production, but always battle injuries and this and that. We've needed to see the steps from Mike Williams, and now the Chargers invested another first-round wide receiver in Quinton Johnson. I do think that we'll start to see Mike Williams get a lot more of the touchdowns and the big plays as long as he stays on the field, but I'm expecting Quinton Johnson to have a very viable role in this offense, and I think he could be a guy that you get late in fantasy drafts that could be a sleeper to get you around 10 points a game. All right, coming over to the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a different year for the Raiders. You know, we're starting to see a transition with Jimmy Garoppolo being at the helm rather than Derek Carr. We have an investment in the wide receiver position. You got Jacoby Myers going to join Devontae Adams. And we also got Michael Mayer in the offensive room, hoping that they can retain Josh Jacobs, who they tried to give the franchise tag. There could be a potential holdout scenario. We're seeing the same thing with Saquon Barkley at the moment. So we'll see what's going to happen. I do have the Raiders starting off the year a little bit slow. I think that there's a lot of change that's going on here. And even though Josh McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo are very familiar with each other, I do think as far as personnel goes that they're still going to have to get a little bit comfortable. I have three losses, a loss at the Broncos, a loss at the Bills, and a loss versus the Steelers on Sunday Night Football to start the season. But I have them getting two wins in a row after that. A win at the Chargers and a win versus the Packers on Monday Night Football. I think both of those games are going to be really competitive, but I do just think that the Raiders have the offensive firepower at this point in time in the season to start to get a little bit more comfortable. After the two wins in a row, I have them dropping two straight versus the Patriots and at the Bears. I know that Bears game can be real iffy, and that can be a big difference maker towards the end of the season with the Raiders' schedule prediction. At this point in time, I have the Raiders being 2-5 and five going into Week 8. Week 8, they get a, a big W on Monday Night Football at the Lions, and they continue that winning streak all the way to Week 12. Get a win versus the Giants and the Jets, handling both New York teams back-to-back weeks. A win at the Dolphins, and then a win versus the Chiefs in Week 12. After the Chiefs game, the Raiders have the bye, but after that bye week, I have them dropping four straight. First the Vikings, first the Chargers on Thursday Night Football, first the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, and at the Colts. They finished the season with a win versus the Broncos, who they started off the season losing against, but this has the Raiders with an 8-9 and nine record. You're talking about the difference of a couple of division games, two away from 10, also two away from 6. The Raiders can really go in any single direction here. Alright, now we have some questions with the Raiders. First question, what production can we expect out of Jacoby Myers as far as a fantasy receiver? As long as Devontae Adams stays healthy, he'll consistently be the number one wide receiver, getting 8-10 to targets a game, if not more. So Jacoby's role will obviously be to be a number two. We've seen a lot of number two wide receivers thrive, and Jimmy Garoppolo is in a system where he's comfortable that could make for a lot of receptions for a player in the slot like Jacoby. 
I don't think Jacoby Myers will be a thousand yard receiver, but I could see him around 750 receiving yards, around 70 catches, and about five touchdowns. You're talking about bench production with flex capabilities that could be productive with a ceiling to do more. Jacoby Myers can absolutely be beneficial to your fantasy team in the right role. For deeper leagues, 12 and 14 team, you can absolutely rely on him for consistent production. After a monstrous year for Josh Jacobs, what can we really expect for him this year? With the offseason going on, we know that Josh Jacobs is trying to get paid, trying to get his contract after having one of the best running back seasons last year. In most fantasy leagues that I was in, Josh Jacobs was drafted after the 5th or 6th round. I actually was in a league where Josh Jacobs got drafted in the 8th round. Josh Jacobs will absolutely be selected higher, probably around the 2nd or 3rd round in most fantasy drafts, and in some leagues, potentially round 1. I don't think that production is going to be duplicated this year, but I think he could still be a solid fantasy player. Before last year, let's keep in mind that Josh Jacobs was just sniffing 1,000 yards as a rusher. I think that's where he can be, maybe around that 1,100 yards if he stays healthy for an entire season, but I think the touchdown production will slow down a little bit. I think the the Raiders will have to rely on the ground game, but it's just really tough to see Josh Jacobs having that production and success once again. Moving over to the Denver Broncos, who had an extremely tough year last year, but with the new coach, a little bit of different personnel, I do think the Broncos might be able to turn it around quick. I had the Broncos starting off the season with two wins in a row. A win versus the Raiders and a win versus the Commanders. I think that this is a good start for them. An opportunity for Russell Wilson to really put up some points and get hot early. After those first two wins, I had them getting a loss at the Dolphins in Week 3. Followed by a win at the Bears in Week 4. After the win versus the Bears, I had them getting two losses in a row. A loss versus the Jets and a loss at the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football. Those two losses are followed by a two-game win streak, a win versus the Packers and a win versus the Chiefs to go into the Week 9 bye. This has the Broncos at 5-3 and three going into the bye week. After the bye, I have the Broncos winning some pretty impressive games. A win in Week 10 at Buffalo on Monday Night Football, a win versus the Vikings on Sunday Night Football back-to-back primetime games, a win Week 12 versus the Browns, but I do think the Browns will play them really tough in that game. So that's one that you might want to watch out for. Week 13, I do have them dropping a game to the Texans. So I know that this is a little bit different, especially when you hit the teams that they just beat in the previous weeks. But you always see some of those underrated teams or the teams that aren't really viewed as a threat sneak away with a couple of games here and there. After that loss to the Texans, I have them getting two wins in a row, a win at the Chargers, and a win at the Lions, followed by three losses to end the season. A loss Sunday Night Football to the Patriots, a loss to the Chargers in Week 17, and a loss on the road Week 18 to the Raiders. This has the Broncos at a 10-7 record. I think this is extremely realistic. But I do also think that they might be closer to that 9-win type of team rather than you know a 10-11-win type of team. Last year was a really bad year for the Broncos, especially when they had Super Bowl expectations. I do think that it was a bad year for Russell Wilson and a lot of change was going on. But I think that they'll get a little bit more comfortable this year. I think they have a very competitive roster compared to the Chargers and Raiders who were also in their division. And it all depends on, on coaching, consistency, and health when it comes down to the separation in those three teams. Is Russell Wilson a reliable starting quarterback in fantasy football? Going into the year, Russell Wilson is a really hard quarterback to value in fantasy football formats. In a 10-team league, I think that there are a lot of better options than to rely on Russell Wilson as your starting quarterback. 
once you start getting into 12 and 14 team formats, it gets really difficult. There isn't there isn't as many options if you're drafting a quarterback or two to really be on your roster. I think you could put as much trust in Russell Wilson as you do in Geno Smith to start the year. Geno Smith had the potential to sniff around that QB7 to QB10 range on his best weeks. And I think that Russell Wilson, with the wide receivers that he has, has that same opportunity. I think Geno Smith takes a little bit of a decline this year. I think Russell Wilson improves a little bit this year. I think that both of those guys are right around QB 13 to 15 when you're talking about value for fantasy quarterbacks. I would roll the dice on some of the rookie quarterbacks like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud over those guys just as far as ceiling and potential goes. What type of running back will Javante Williams be when he returns from his injury midway through the season? Going into fantasy drafts, there's always a couple of running backs that are either dealing with a suspension, an injury, or something that delays their starts of the season. I think that Javante Williams could be a guy that you could stash on your roster to keep midway through the season that could potentially see more targets and rushes than what you would see on the wave of wire later on. I think we do need to keep in mind that this was a major injury for Javante Williams, who was expected to break out last year. I think it would be better to hamper those expectations. I think he's definitely somebody that you can draft and have faith, but I don't think he's coming back and rushing for a 1,000 yards. I don't think, even if he returned week four, that he's going to be a running back that gets 10-plus touchdowns. So keep that in mind. If, if Javante Williams was able to rush for six to 700 yards on the ground, maybe get 200, 300 yards receiving and, and sniff around 1,000 scrimmage yards with a couple of touchdowns, I think that that would be solid for a bench player who could potentially fill a bigger role if they come back fully healthy. Moving over to the last team in the division, the Kansas City Chiefs. I have another extremely successful year for the Chiefs, but it almost sounds too good to be true. I have the Chiefs winning their first seven games of the season, a win Thursday night football to kick off the year versus the Lions, a win week two at the Jaguars versus the Bears, at the Jets on Sunday night football, at the Vikings versus the Broncos on Thursday night football versus the Chargers, and then a loss at the Broncos in week eight. They have one more game before their bye week, a game versus the Dolphins in Germany, and that's going to be a W for the Chiefs. So going into the week 10 bye week, the Chiefs only have one loss. Now this is if everyone was to stay healthy and they continue to improve. We know that they didn't add extreme talent to that wide receiver room. You're talking about a larger role for Kadarius Toney. You're talking about number one target in production for Travis Kelsey once again. In another year with a, a backfield by committee. I'm not sure that this success will continue if they don't improve the talent and the value of some of those guys at that skilled position. I do know in the NFL... As of recently, those positions have received a lot less love, but it still takes playmakers and dynamic extreme talents to really take the top off of a defense or really make guys miss at the line of scrimmage. So let's not devalue those skilled positions. After the bye, I have the Chiefs getting a win versus the Eagles on Monday Night Football. I can't wait to see that game in a Super Bowl rematch, but I do think that the Eagles are going to decline a little bit. After the win versus the Eagles, I have them getting a loss versus the Raiders, but then five wins straight. A win at the Packers on Sunday Night Football, a win versus the Bills, a win at the Patriots on Monday Night Football, a win versus the Raiders on Monday Night Football, a win versus the Bengals, who was their top competition in the AFC, and then dropping the last game of the season to the Chargers to finish with a 14-3 record. 
This has the Chiefs on top of the division by four games, but the Broncos and Chargers tied for second in the division with a 10 and 7 record. The Raiders are only a couple of games behind with 8 and 9. Now let's get to our questions for the Kansas City Chiefs. How big of a role can Kadarius Toney have in the Chiefs offense, and is he a reliable fantasy wide receiver? Coming from a Giants fan, I've seen the potential with Kadarius Toney. The sky is the absolute limit. This guy has all the talent in the world to stop, start, extend plays, make tremendous catches, and absolutely have that dynamic playmaking ability. I do not think that Kadarius Toney will be that wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think when it comes down to it, you see the mental toughness with a lot of other top wide receivers that really put in that production. And a lot of times you see Kadarius Toney's name in the media for reasons that don't show his work. I think that we also have a lot of injury history here with Kadarius Toney. That is something that you need to keep in mind as well. I do think that he could be a value or a bargain as far as a fantasy wide receiver goes, especially when no Juju Smith-Schuster there. He was a top pick in the draft and was still traded for a third round pick after his unhappy stint with the New York Giants. Kadarius Toney can be a top playmaker. He will be drafted around round six or seven, but I don't see that success for Kadarius Toney. Since the Sandbox fans, that is going to wrap things up for our AFC West schedule predictions. Make sure you guys get tuned in with the rest of the schedule predictions throughout the NFL, and we have the NFC coming to you guys tomorrow. You know the deal. Peace, love, and five stars, nothing less.